Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. It's glorious to be in the Lord's house today. See all of you that are here. We're going to read our text from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, the familiar verse, verse 18. The Lord had asked the apostles about who men were, what people were saying about him, and who they were talking about him. Anyway, in the book of Matthew 16 and 18, the familiar verse where Jesus said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Aren't you glad you're in the church, part of the church, built on a rock, destined for glory? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Master. Lord, that you have granted us the honor, the privilege, the opportunity to be partaker of you and your glories, your blessings, your favors. We ask for your anointing here this night, this day. Bless the furtherance of this service that you receive glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It is so good to be here. Thank the Lord for a wonderful event in North Carolina. Uh, God is so good to us. Amen. Uh, He took care of us on the highways, brought us safely home. And uh, I don't know about how sound, but I'm safe. And we're so glad to be here. The last time we visited here, we talked about the people, the system, and the bride. We only touched on uh, each of them, but I'd like to pick up where we left all somewhat, and it's not because of what happened Friday night but or Friday afternoon late, but uh, my title is going to be The Bride, The Bride. We're part of that number. Amen. In fact, you'll find, and I'll read it maybe if I get to it, uh, in the book of Revelation where the, John is told, come here, I'll show you the bride, the bride. We're part of the bride. We just hadn't gotten married yet. Amen. But uh, we're going to get married. We're going to get married. Anyway, here, Jesus speaking, we often hear this passage as quoted or referred to Uh, as to the church being established and the Lord promising the very gates of hell won't prevail against it. We know that Paul, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, 
speaks to us about it being a mystery, a mystery from the very beginning of time or even before. In verses two through six of chapter three, Paul says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages were not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What stirred up my curiosity and interest again in looking at this passage of Scripture that we have looked at dozens and dozens of times was the, that uh, there's nothing that's been said up to this point, of course, about a church. As Paul said in what we just read, the prophets didn't know about the church. They didn't prophesy about the church. They just prophesied about a coming kingdom and a coming Messiah and a time when the Lord would establish his kingdom upon this earth and reign as king of kings and Lord of lords. When John the Baptist stepped on the scene, as recorded in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, he said, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then some six months later or so, Jesus steps on the scene, if you will, in chapter 4 of Matthew and verse 17, the Bible says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the curiosity that I had stirred up was here Jesus is speaking about a church when the church hasn't even been born yet. And the message that he preached and John preached is not, Behold the church. They are saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the Lord who knew the and knows the end from the beginning knew what was going to happen. He knew that his coming would be rejected by his own people. And ultimately he would turn to a people that would accept him. The Bible tells us in the book Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent out his apostles, remember, two by two by two by two, and listen to what he said in verse uh, 5 and 6. Uh, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Don't bother those dogs. Go not in the way of the Gentiles and enter any city of the Samaritans. Don't even go to those half-breeds, half if you will. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So even here, Jesus is saying, don't bother the Gentiles, don't bother, bother the Samaritans, just go to my people, just go to the, to the Jews. And the Jews were given the opportunity to accept uh, their Messiah, which they did not accept. And then farther on in Matthew 21, which was some time later, right before the Lord's crucifixion, about the third year of his ministry, Jesus there speaking to the Jews in Matthew 21, verses 42, 43, makes this statement. Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. 
This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous uh, in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. You know, all the 120 that were gathered in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, every one of them were Jews. You know that. Every one of them were Jews that gathered there and received the Holy Ghost. They were the first ones to be filled with God's Spirit. And then all that the apostles preached to were Jews. They were Jews, so they went preaching to Jews again and again and again. You know the story. But it was not until some eight years later, at least, or thereabout, eight years later after Pentecost, that Peter got that vision on the top of that house while he was waiting for them to fix him something to eat and saw that vision of those unclean animals and being told to eat them. And he said, I'm not going to, Lord. But anyway, he was shown that he was going to have to go to the Gentiles and to Peter. Uh, that was the last thing a Jew would want to do. But anyway, eight years after Pentecost, God opens the door the man that has the keys of the kingdom opens the door of the Gentiles and entrance was given to the Gentiles. So the plan of Jehovah obviously would include both Jew and Gentiles. The Bible says, John writes in chapter one of the gospel of John, verses 11 and 12, he came unto his own, that is the Jews, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The attention has been on the church, this group of people put together in the wonderful name of Jesus, baptism and being filled with his Holy Spirit that bonds us together into one entity, one union and one fellowship with the Lord. We've been here a long time. Um, MPC's been here a long time, but the church has been here a long time. And what I like to say and emphasize, we're getting close to home. We're getting close to the end of our journey. We're getting close to the trumpet sound. It behooves us to make sure we're ready. It behooves us that we stay ready. We're looking for the Lord's coming. Paul tells us in the book of Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Paul spoke that prophetically, but you and I could say it literally and knowingly of what's taking place. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. I think it's looking up time, folks. I think it's looking up time. There's nothing more exciting to think about than to being a part of the church and that the Lord's coming from us, for us, going to be delivered from this old world of chaos and confusion. Through the years since, since Eden, God has dealt with humanity in ages or stages and some call it dispensations or some call it ages. The first dispensation or age was whatever Adam and Eve enjoyed and experienced in the garden. <laughs> we have no way 
of how long that lasted, but we know how it ended by them being driven from the garden. And each one of these dispensations ends in a momentous occasion, a momentous manner. The first dispensation, we call it innocence. That's what I call it. I don't know what others call it exactly. But it ended with the man and woman being kicked out of the garden because of their sin. Then began what's called the dispensation of conscience, where God says, go out and replenish the earth and your conscience be your guide, I guess we can say. And you know what happened to that conscience or that dispensation with the great deluge that destroyed everybody on this planet earth. And then began what is called the human government, human government, when God again told to scatter. But instead they gathered in one place to try to build them a city that had a tower that reached all the way to heaven. But this dispensation ended with diversity of tongues, more confusion, if you will. And then God spoke to a man by the name of Abraham, and thus began a promise dispensation, which only lasted probably 430 years or so. And then that ended with the people of Israel being delivered, the chaos in Egypt and the overthrowing of the enemy Egyptians. And that's the way it ended there with the giving of the law uh, from Sinai. The law dispensation began, it lasted probably 1,500 years or so, and that ended in Calvary. That ended in Calvary. We are in the dispensation now. You can call it the dispensation of the church, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, the dispensation or age of grace, whatever you want to call it. But we're coming to the greatest, most glorious conclusion, if you will, of any dispensation a period of time because one of these days soon, could be today, one of these days soon a trumpet's going to sound that you and I are going to hear whether anybody else does or not. You and I are going to be changed whether anybody else is or not and literally millions upon millions of people are going to disappear from planet earth and go and meet the Lord in the air. That's going to be the most glorious ending of all dispensations, if you will. And what a day. You know, again, the first dispensation, we don't know how long it lasted. The second one, about 1,655, 56 years to the flood. And then the next in about 450 years to the promise giving. And then the promise to the law was about 430 years. And the law to Calvary or grace, 1,500 years. And from Pentecost, we're still counting. It's been almost 2,000 years. The longest period that God's dealt with man with one particular message, if you will. And we're getting close to the end. It's almost going home time. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. Amen. Now, with the great technological advances that have taken place in our generation, my, my, it's telling us the word of God is being fulfilled. I wonder what great-grandpa and grandma thought when they read like in the book of Revelation uh, 13 and 16 about everybody have to receive a mark. How in the world could that happen? How could that happen? It took them a week almost to go to town and get groceries because all the way they had to get there was by a mule and a wagon or something. But today, my, my, I can talk to China. Well, I don't want to talk there. 
I could talk to Russia. There you go. If I had my phone up here, I could call. Uh, it's a little late there, though, but anyway. But anyway, one generation, we have gone from horse to buggy, horse and buggy to riding a, an automobile. Well, none of you did that, but anyway. And then we've gone from riding in those, those, those automobiles to soaring through the sky, even leaving footprints on the moon, or at least that's what they said. And the computers, we're told the computers that guided the astronauts to the moon, you hold in your hand today. That's how much advancement has been made. The question that comes to our minds concerning the church is just what role that the church plays in the great scheme of things. What's going to take place? What's going to take place once we have been removed from this earth? Amen. I'm not concerned about what's going to take place. I'm, I'm concerned about going up and being in that number. And whatever happens afterwards, that's whoever's left behind. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. I show you a mystery. We won't all sleep, but we'll all be changed. How quick? In the moment of an eye, the twinkling of an eye. Uh, and for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed for this corruption. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Amen. This, this old man is going to be changed into a new man with a new body. Amen. I'll probably get some hair back. I don't know. But anyway, suddenly we're going to have a body like his. We're going to be like him. Listen to what John said, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All Earth's gravity is going to turn loose of us and we're going to soar away into the glory world. I can only imagine, I can only imagine as the singers sing, the aging process is going to be reversed or something like that. Aged saints are going to come forth on that day with renewed bodies. Amen. And how many times have I said from the pulpit, maybe not this pulpit, a pulpit here, how many times I've mentioned Brother Dick without any legs. He's not going to scoot down the golden street uh, in a wheelchair or a scooter. He's going to have two brand new legs. Amen. I'll get rid of these spectacles because then I'll be able to see who's sitting back yonder. You could go to sleep right now and I wouldn't know it unless you didn't say amen loud enough. But anyway... Sickness and pain's going to be gone. The aging process is going to be gone. Amen. Wonder how old we'll be. How old you want to be? Oh, you don't know. Okay, let me tell you. You're going to be 33. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Uh, but just, you know, I think 33 because that's how old my Lord was when he paid the price so I could be in his body in his church. So that sounds like a perfect, perfect age. Well, I have turned the clock back at least 25 years to be 33 again. But, but anyway, 
Think about what's going to take place in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17. Paul said, we shall be caught up together, shall be caught up together with them. The, the, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them uh, to meet the Lord in the clouds, uh, to meet the Lord in the air. We're going up with them. Amen. We're going to empty, well, not empty, but there'll be a whole bunch out of white, white, is it White River Cemetery? Is that what it's called? White River and all the other places around here where we have gone and said goodbye to loved ones from MPC. We're going to join them again. Listen to what Paul said is going to happen after that. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Whether we be, it be good or bad. I want to be good, don't you? I want to be good. This is judgment, but it's not the white throne judgment. This is not judgment to decide whether I'm saved or lost. This is a judgment to decide what I've done and how I'm going to be recognized for what I've done, whether it be good or bad. Amen. Everybody that's in this judgment are saved. It's the church. Paul refers to a crown of righteousness when he spoke to, Paul, uh, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he was uh, bidding Timothy goodbye. And these were some of his last words to Timothy. In verse 8, he said, henceforth. Remember, he had said, I've, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And then he says, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I'm looking for him. I welcome that call, that trumpet, come up hither. Paul said, not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing. Paul, Paul makes mention in different places, and the Bible makes reference in different places, where Paul, he said, he's going to get a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that time. So he spoke of a righteous a crown, a crown of righteousness. In the book of uh, Corinthians chapter 9, he spoke there of a a crown as well, an incorruptible crown. In Revelation chapter 3, we read about a mortar's crown. And then Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, speaking to the pastors, Peter said, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So I want to tell you, fellow pilgrim, there's a crown waiting for you. I don't know if we could use this literally, Physically, I don't know if that's the proper way of uh, describing it or not, or if it's a, uh, a reference to a spiritual condition. But regardless, I want my crown. I want my crown. I want my crown. Uh, John said in the book of Revelation that hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Hey, you got a hold of yours? 
Y'all looking to put yours on or have somebody to put it on for you? Amen. Judgment, judge, Revelation chapter 19. Notice what the Bible says in verses 5 and 6. A voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen. So here's, here, here seems like the, the process, if you will, as we live for God, looking for the Lord's coming, the trumpet's going to sound. We're going before up to meet the Lord in the air. We go before a, a, a judgment seat of Christ to receive our recognition and reward for what we've done in this lifetime, in this world that God has given us. And then a time of rejoicing. And this is, this is what uh, John is describing here about this great multitude that's shouting hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then, we're, you know, we're going to have a marriage. I mentioned that a while ago, didn't you? But it's really going to happen. We're going to have a marriage. Let me just read it for you in the Revelation 19 and uh, verse uh, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice Give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come. His wife, that's us, his wife hath made herself ready. And to her, that's us, are, is a, was a granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. We're on our way. We're on our way. Amen. My, my. Marriage going to take place. And then after the marriage, you, have, you have, a, have a supper, don't you? That's what they did in North Carolina. I guess they still do it physically here and literally here. I, I, can, I can only imagine. That's all I can do. I can only imagine the, the, the great hall in which this supper is going to be prepared. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? I remember I used to have a slide when I, back years ago when I taught someone prophecy and I don't know where uh, I got the slide and, and I don't know where it is. I've looked for it. But it showed a picture, imaginary picture of a long table. It just went off into oblivion, into eternity, a set waiting for those guests to sit down and enjoy the marriage supper. Amen. I was in Ohio one time preaching revival and somebody behind me, I don't know if they had found out or what, evidently they had. Anyway, they, they, I think they pecked me on the back. But anyway, they said, Brother Walls, do you think when we get to heaven we'll have uh, chicken, fried chicken and cake, chocolate cake? They knew that's what I like. But anyway, I don't know whether it's going to be fried chicken, chicken and dumplings, or it's going to be duck, I don't, maybe rabbit. I don't, we used to have rabbits around here once in a while. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be wonderful. It's going to, I again can only imagine what it's going to be. The marriage supper, listen, in verse 9 of chapter 19, he saith unto me, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. 
Amen. Got an appetite? Mm, I don't want to stir you up because uh, you know you're getting ready to go to McDonald's possibly. But, but anyway, we're going to a better place than MacD's. We're going to a better place than Golden Corral's. Amen. We're going to a better place. We're going to sit, as Jesus said in Matthew 8 and 11, going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know if it's at that marriage supper or not, but anyway, what a, what a gathering that's going to be. And listen, the Bible in the book of 1 Thessalonians 4, again, let me just read part of that again, where Paul said, so the, in, that, in that verse by saying, so shall we ever be with the Lord. My, my. Talking about a honeymoon. Mm. You're supposed to have honeymoons after you get married. And then you have this, this supper, marriage supper. And then you go off to Timbuktu or someplace and have a honeymoon. I don't know where we're going, but we're going to have a honeymoon. Amen. Jesus and his wife, the church, where we're going. I don't know. Maybe we'll visit the planets up yonder somewhere. I don't know where we're going to go, but we're not going to have any problem of getting there. Mm, we'd be glorified. Now, I just inserted that I don't have one verse of scripture to tell that we're going to have a honeymoon, but it just sounds good to me that we're going to have a honeymoon. Amen. And, and, and it's going to last. I don't know. Again, it doesn't say exactly, but I'm thinking it's going to last for uh, at least seven years because that's how long trouble's going on down here. And then he's coming back after seven years and he's bringing us with us and we're going to bring with, come with victory. Amen. Now, listen, listen to what Paul, uh, John writes in chapter 19 of Revelation, beginning verse 11. Uh, John describes that, that event where he said, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon the white upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war his eyes were as a flame of fire on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no man knew but he himself he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God the armies, that's us, which are in were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen. We know it's us because the Bible tells us back there in verse 8 that the, the saints are clothed in, in linen, white, fine linen, which is the righteousness of the saints. So that, that's us. They're clothed in white linen. Uh, and out of his mouth goeth a, a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. My, my, we're coming back. We're coming back. But we're not coming back to live like we're living now. Thank God. We won't have to worry about by, uh, uh, voting for a new president. <clears throat> We're coming back with victory. We're coming back with glory. We're coming back with the anointing of God and, 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 and glorification. And uh, Listen, John goes on in verses 20, 21 of, of Revelation 19, where he says, Here, here's chaos on this earth uh, during that particular time. When the enemy shall seek to destroy and, and seek to conquer and seek to, uh, to control. And that's going to take place 
after the church is gone, but he's working on it right now. And Paul said in the book of Thessalonians 2, only he who will uh, let will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed. And that one that's hindering his coming is the church. We're still here. The Holy Ghost is still here. The people of God are still here. But once we leave, come on, booger man, you can have it. Come on, man of sin, you can have it. It's yours. Take it if you will. But anyway... And then, then when, when we come back to this earth, the Bible says the beast was taken. That is the man of sin, the, the lawless one that Paul spoke of in 2 Thessalonians 2. The beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, them that worshiped his image. These were both cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh this is referring to armageddon this is referring to the battle of armageddon in the plains of megiddo which will take place there in the israel in the middle east when armies will come together far and wide to try to come out conquerors and thus control the world. Those great leaders, there's she, there's Putin, and uh, whoever else that seeks to control this world and be king of the, of the heap, if you will. And of course, the man that will come, the man of sin. John describes for us the events that's going to transpire after that battle is over with. And the Lord brings... Uh, the Jewish people and planet earth together, if you will. In verse 6 of chapter 20, listen to what the, John writes. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection and the second death, uh, the first resurrection on which the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. When that, that power, that force will be put in this place and that man of sin and his cohort, a false prophet, will be cast into a lake of fire. All those armies that are gathered in that plain of Megiddo for Armageddon will be slaughtered. In fact, the Bible in Revelation, I think it's 14, spoke of the blood being to the horse bridles. That's a lot of blood. And the fowls are invited as well to come and eat the, the remains of these that have gathered there. It's going to be all over with. And the Lord, he's going to cast the, go on in Revelation 20, I'm not going to read it. But go on in Revelation 20 and you'll see where the devil himself, Satan, Lucifer, the dragon, if you will. There's an angel that has a great big old chain and a great big old lock and a great big old key. Uh, that's not Bible, but that's park Bible. And he takes this, this devil, throws him into an abyss. It's called the bottomless pit, if you can only imagine that, in which you're falling, but you never stop. That's the, that will be the home, if you will, of the devil for 1,000 years. And for 1,000 years, this earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, the prophet said. We're going to have peace. 
No more abortions, no more killing in schools or any other place, no more transgender junk, and no more sinful acts, if you will. It's going to be peace, peace, peace. Amen. You know, when you go to Walmart then, you won't see anybody wearing their pajamas. <clears throat> when, you, when, you, when, when you go to, well, that's, anyway, uh, why did that come? That's not in my notes, but. When you, when you, I don't, Walmart probably won't be around then. But anyway, when you go down the street to go into some place, you can say, praise the Lord. And you'll have a thousand people, if there's that many there, that will return. Praise the Lord. You won't be ashamed or embarrassed or you won't look at them and say, I wonder if I ought to say hallelujah or not. I wonder if I'd be embarrassed and say, praise the Lord. Won't be any embarrassment then. Everybody's going to be praising God. Because the devil's going to be bound. Sin is going to be bound, if you will. There'll be plenty of sinners around, but they won't be able to sin because the instigator of sin, the provoker of sin is in that bottomless pit. I got to hurry. In chapter 20, listen to this. Chapter 20, verse 7. When the thousand years are expired, there's an end to it. It's just a thousand years. For a thousand years, peace when it's expired, they turn Satan loose. He's loosed out of that prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog, you thought there was peace in the earth. There was, as long as that devil was bound. But once he gets loose, here we go again. And there are a lot of people, a lot of sinners living on this. They're not committing sin, although the seed of sin is in them. They're not committing any kind of sinful act because, again, the instigator and provoker of sin is in that bottomless pit. But once he loses, that activity takes place, if you will. Let me put it that way. Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, go to the, deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, together them together to battle. The, this, this, this fool never gives up. He's a smart devil. He does his job well. He never quits. When you receive the Holy Ghost or was baptized in Jesus' name, if you thought you were through with the devil, no, you got another thought coming. In fact, he's madder than he's ever been. He wants to get you back into the weak and the beggarly elements of this world. So here's the devil. He's loosed. He goes out. He gathers all these people together that are sinners and activates their sinful nature. And he gathers them together. He said the number, John said, the numbers as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and, and the beloved city must be Jerusalem. The fire come, uh, came down from God out of heaven and devour them. And the devil that deceived them, uh, that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the prophet, false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So now, finally, finally, the devil, his business is up and he's up. And all that's left are the godly walking this earth. John makes an interesting statement in verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. The great white 
throne judge. He goes in in verse 12, it said that he saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Now, the question my curiosity stirs up when it says here that uh, from whose face, speaking of this over, from whose face the Lord, uh, the earth and the heaven fled away. I want John to tell me where they fled to. I'm from Missouri. I need to be shown. But what happens? I don't know. Great white throne of judgment. You're talking about billions of people. Where's that going to take place? I don't know. I don't need to worry about it. I'm not going to be there to be judged. I've already been judged. I already live for God. My name's in that book. I'm saved. I'm a child of the king. I'm ready for glory. Amen. So I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm not going to be lost. I'm found at last by amazing grace. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Now, we are left with questions about when this takes place as to where the earth and, the, and, the, and whatever flees from the Lord. What happens, what happens to the people that's on the earth? Peter speaks, listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter 3, verses 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and, and, and the earth also and the works therein that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Uh, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, Peter said, Ooh, but nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. I don't know what this earth's going to look like then. I can imagine because all of sin and sinfulness won't be any breweries then, won't be any houses of ill repute then, won't be any gambling holes then. It's going to be a place of holiness, a place of godliness, a place of peace where everybody loves God and everybody is living for God. How, how, how? Think about it. If he's going to judge and he's going to judge at the great white throne of judgment, if he's going to judge everybody whose name is not in that book of life, or no, I shouldn't say it that way, everybody that's involved in this judgment, if he's going to name every one of them, can you imagine? If you had your calculator out, let me just tell you, ask you a, a calculate for me. Let's just suppose it's 10 billion people, and it's going to be a whole lot more than that. But let's just suppose it's 10 billion people, and he just takes one minute for each one to judge. Can you imagine it? Your calculator is not big enough to figure it out. It will take, well, anyway, I'm, I'm digging up stuff here that we don't need to talk about, I guess. But anyway, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth are passed away and there was no more sea. Water covers, what, two-thirds of the earth today or is it more than that? But one of these days, Eden is not just me cornered somewhere in that Middle Eastern territory. Eden is going to be all over. 
Medora's going to become Eden then. Isn't that great? It's going to be peace wherever. Eden, everywhere, everywhere. I don't know how we're going to go from place to place. I can imagine. Because he tells, one thing he tells me about a city that's about 1,500 miles tall and broad and wide and whatever, and it doesn't speak anything about, let me read you a little bit about that. I, in Revelation 21, verse 9, beginning, there, come, there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials of the seven last plagues and talked with me. And listen, say, come hither, I will show thee what? The bride, mama, the lamb's wife, uh-huh. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, had a wall great and high, had 12 gates, at the gates 12 angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Judas sure missed it, didn't he? He sure messed up. Uh, on, the, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates, the wall of the city had 12 foundations in the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. He that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, the gates thereof and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and they measure the city with the reed for, uh, three or 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. My, my. Again, we can only imagine what it's going to be like. And, and a lot of questions in our mind about, it says it's coming down from God out of heaven. How? I don't know. I don't know. Some imagine that it will come down to planet earth, but can you imagine a city that reaches 1,500 miles in the sky? My, my. To get to the top, we'll have to have those gas masks or those kind of breathing apparatuses. No, we won't be glorified. We, amen. Are you anxious to go? Amen. Somebody said, I'm anxious, but I didn't know you was taking up a, making up a party right now to go. <laughs> what a day that's going to be. Amen. I, I dug out of my paraphernalia, something that Brother G.T. Haywood wrote in 1923. And uh, I, I don't know if he's right or wrong about it, but listen to this. He said about this. He said, this city has 12 foundations, floors, each being separated by a distance of 125 miles. If you're on the first floor, you can't even see the second floor, 125 miles away, unless you've got a good, strong, strong telescope. There's nothing said about elevators or staircases there. They have no need for such, for they that dwell therein will be equal unto angels. The uh, second floor would be out of sight of the natural eye. Each floor or foundation bears the name of one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Were that city... Divided into rooms, one mile length, one mile in length, one mile high, one mile long, it would contain, listen to this, 
listen, if it's one, mar one mile cubes, it would contain 3,375,000,000 rooms. 3,375,000,000 rooms, each room containing the space of one cubic mile. Boy, we'll have elbow room there, won't we? One of the most astonishing features about such a place is the time it would require to visit or to go over the city, that city, visiting each room separately. If we were to begin at the formation of Adam to go through the city, spending one hour in each room for 24 hours a day, at the end of 6,000 years, we would only have visited 52,570,560 rooms, leaving 3,322,529,440 that we yet haven't gone through. This calculation includes all the leap years that occur in 6,000 years, deducting the century year when there is no leap year. He's got it all figured out. And then he comes to this. To bring the calculation down to a smaller point, let us give one minute's time to visit each room. A mile wide, a mile tall, a cube, a mile. Visit one minute in a mile. You couldn't even walk from one side to the other in a minute. If, you know, I couldn't. You couldn't. I don't care if you are a fast walker. But uh, if... Uh, giving one minute's time to visit each room of the above dimensions and at the expiration of 6,000 years, one would have visited 3,154,233,600 rooms, leaving 210,766,400 rooms that yet you hadn't visited yet. My, my. In six, by the time one would have completed his circuit and returned to the point from which he had started, old things will have become new. When we consider, carefully consider these things, we are struck with astonishment and are compelled to exclaim in the prophetic words of old, what hath God wrought? Amen. It's going to be a wonderful place, folks. Can you imagine it? You got anything you want to say about it? Got any question? Have you thought about anything about that city in your prayer time or thinking time? Don't everybody speak at once. How do you think you're going to act? I know that's a silly question, I guess, because all we can do is think. We don't know. There's no scripture that says on day one you do this because... There won't be no day one or day two. I won't reach 86 again. Amen. <laughs> Whoa. We're going, folks. Are you ready? Are you ready? Thank God for his hope, for his promises. Let's keep on keeping on. Not turn back or turn around or turn to the side. Just keep looking up. Because the Lord's coming, the trumpet sound. If you'll stand with me, you'll be standing with me and agreeing with me. Let's all, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. What precious promises. Well, you can just stay right where you are. We're real close. What precious promises you and I have in our, in our, in our grasp as a child of God. Amen. We ought to thank the Lord, of course, every day that we are who we are and what we are. It's by his mercy, by his grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to be clothed in new garments. I don't know if we wear golden slippers or not. And I don't know if we'll have a physical crown or not. It won't matter. But I'm going to have the privilege to sit down with those who've gone on before. Amen. Want to be a wonderful time. I can look back at the 40, what has it been now? 40, 48 years that I've been here. Uh, and those that we've seen, well, when the church was like it used to be, that have marched these aisles and run around this place and worship God and been baptized in different baptistries. Amen have name, their name put in that book of life. We had to say goodbye to them. If I started calling names, I'd miss some, of course. So I'll let you call me a name for somebody that you're looking forward to seeing. I'm talking about somebody that's been here and it's going to be with the Lord that's died. Tell me a name. Come on. Irene Davidson or Shepherd. Okay. William Wade. Okay. Amen. Who? Dick Lane. That's good. With, with two good legs. Well, who? What? Harold Shepherd. Amen. <laughs> Sing me that song about the book. Gene Weiniger. Who? Who? Oh, Dale Robinson, okay, Dale Robinson, amen. Jack, woo, Jack Kelly, my, my, my. We're going to have a time, boys. We're going to have a time. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.